done, reach for DeWalt's full line of tools and accessories. Team up with Team Tools and DeWalt. start of a new week means it's time to catch up on Missouri legislation with an update from Jefferson City. This is Mo Ledge Monday with Elisha Har Show contributor, State Representative Alex Riley. Well, we've got two more weeks before legislative spring break. Joining us today, Alex Riley. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Alex, first question of the day today. What was your favorite dish or snack from when you were a kid? Ooh, uh, it's probably a tie between goldfish and uh, little gummy fruit snacks. <laughs> and those may still be my favorite, but don't put me on the record on that. You know, that's when one you... thing about term limits in the legislature is I feel like there's a youth movement in Missouri politics where, you know, there's a while where Scott Fitzpatrick was the youngest statewide in the country and Josh Hawley was the youngest U.S. Senator and then Eric Schmidt was the youngest U.S. Senator. You're, you're young. You're a younger guy. So the, you're like, absolutely my, my kids next. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, I had gotten away from them for a little while and then I had little people of my own and that's what they like. So, uh, I eat what they eat and that tends to be a lot of fruit snacks and goldfish crackers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Alex, give us what's the highlights we should look for this week in the legislature. All right. Well, the first big thing is actually not necessarily legislation, but it is candidate filing week. So starting tomorrow morning, uh, everyone who is running for office in the state of Missouri for a state office. So that's your state representatives, senators and the folks running for statewide office will be going over to the secretary of state's office bright and early to file to be on the ballot this year. What do we, so, you know, I, just in the last few days or last week, we've had a few new entries. Uh, David Wassinger announced for lieutenant governor. Uh, Lincoln Huff also <laughs> announcing for lieutenant governor. Uh, Taylor Burks announcing for the third congressional. What's, uh, what do we expect any more excitement this week? What's, what's everybody expect or expecting or not expecting? Well, you never know. It seems like every year there's one surprise, either someone filing, uh, that wasn't expected to file or someone that said they were going to file for some office filing for a different office than what they said they were going to run for or someone that said they were going to run and then they didn't end up filing at all. So uh, we don't know yet. We'll find out maybe tomorrow if there's going to be any big surprises. But you, I think you'll probably appreciate this. But for our first-time candidates, this is always a super fun day. A lot of them bring their their families up for the day i know the first time i ran uh my wife and i only had one kid at the time but he my young son came up and it was just a fun i promise you i I tell people running for office is great for procreation i had one kid when i first ran i had two when i ran the second time i had four when i ran the third time yeah that's that's right that's right maybe it's just the 134th district i don't know uh we 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 like our we like our kids in the 134th that's, that's absolutely right uh, all right. Filing begins this week. Of course, filing lasts about five weeks. Uh, the first day is always a mad rush. Uh, the thing about filing is the first day and the last day are the most interesting. One thing very few people know, if you want a shot at being first on the ballot, you have to file the first day. It doesn't necessarily matter when the first day. There's a lottery system. You pick a number. You figure out where your spot is on the ballot the first day. Everybody wants the low number in your particular race. 
Uh, and I've seen exactly. people that that they'll they'll show up the first day and then they they draft nine fifty one or they'll show up the first day and they'll get number two. It's it's always really interesting to watch that happen. Yeah, that's right. So the first time I ran, I picked a pretty bad number. Actually, I didn't pick it. My my son, who wasn't even one yet, actually drew the number out of the little pot and picked it, and it was terrible. <laughs> but thankfully, the guy I was running against drew an even worse number. So I think the numbers are between one and a thousand, something like that. Yep. And 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 my, I can't remember what I drew. It was. It was well towards the back. It may have been in the 800 or 900s, and I was feeling pretty down about it. And then the guy who was running against me drew like 952 or something. So even though my number was bad, his was even worse, and I still got to be on the ballot. Uh, and, you know, first. I don't know. People always act like, oh, where you're at on the ballot matters. I think it matters if there's 10, 12 candidates in a race. I don't know if it really makes a difference in a two-candidate race or even a three-candidate race. I And maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like people actually read two or three names. Now, again, if there's 10, they may just look for the one they recognize, the first one on the ballot. But in a two or three candidate race, I don't think it makes a bit of difference. I, I think it makes a little bit of a difference on the the down ballot races like state rep where you may not have as big widespread name recognition as they do in the governor's race. I completely agree. The governor's race, it will not matter where your name shows up on the ballot. I think it might help a little bit on the margins on the state rep races, but uh, I, I, I by and large agree with that. All right, let's talk policy. What are, what are, what are you expecting on the floor of the house this week? So we've got a couple of bills that are coming out of the rules committee today. There is one dealing with foreign ownership of land, which is a very hot button topic. And we spent a lot of time, you and I did last year, talking about the various bills. So we have a House bill that should be coming out of the rules committee today on foreign ownership of land. The uh, defund Planned Parenthood bill that we've talked about is coming out of rules this week. So those are two really big hot button bills that could be on the floor this week. Then we've got a number of smaller bills that are on the uh, calendar to possibly be brought up for discussion. Um, there's a couple of gun bills that are out there. There's one that's in the school choice space that's dealing with virtual schools. So this is something that is not uh, not a, a big pro-school choice bill, but it does move the needle in a positive direction and give some kids that might um, find that this is a good way to receive an education, an opportunity to uh, further take advantage of virtual options. And then um, one bill that's kind of interesting that has gets a lot of buzz up here in the Capitol, maybe not as much at home, deals with um, the Farm Bureau Insurance Company. So they would like to be able to provide health insurance to their members, and they're not currently allowed to do that. So there's a bill that's uh, a big deal, especially in the agriculture communities, where um, they would like to provide health insurance for their members, and that is uh, on the calendar to potentially come up this week. So we'll see if it does or not. Who 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 objects to that? Who's the who says? Ah, oh, we don't really like this idea of this this new insurance program. Well, it's it's uh, the other insurance companies who 
as as you may suspect, they're not super excited about having new competition. So that's where the the most of the opposition comes from. So your the folks that are in support of it are tend to be your more conservative groups who are uh, all about free markets and wanting to increase access to healthcare through free market solutions. And then the Farm Bureau, of course, and then your opposition comes from primarily other insurance companies. Let's talk about a non-policy issue. There's been this thing hanging around all session, this whole ethics committee investigation of the speaker. Any chance uh, that this report comes out this week or before spring break? You know, I have no idea whatsoever. There's all kinds of whispers about something's going to be released and it's going to have certain information in there. But I have not yet heard any actual information that I can verify to be true that that has a specific date on when that's going to come out and what it's going to say. So I suspect it'll be out at some point before the end of session, but I really don't know. And uh, you know how rumors work in this place. You got one person that says something and then all of a sudden it gets passed around and then that becomes the gospel truth. And nine times out of 10, it's, it's not the gospel truth. So um, I've heard Nearly every week the session, oh, it's coming out this week, it's coming out this week, and then, you know, the week goes by and we don't hear anything. So we will see. There's more rumors that something's coming out this week, and uh, we'll find out if that's actually true or just one of those rumors that gets splashed around here. All right, last week the Senate finally uh, perfects and third reads a, a bill that would go on the ballot, that would change the process by which we amend our Constitution. There was... All the interesting stuff was pulled out. They get to a vote. Now it's coming out of the House. Tell our listeners, for those who care and paid attention, what came out of the Senate? Do we like what came out of the Senate? Yeah, so what came out of the Senate is something called a concurrent majority initiative petition reform bill. And what that is, is um, under the bill, for something to make it into the Constitution, it would have to receive approval of of more than half of the congressional districts in the state of Missouri. So right now it's just 50% plus one of the vote of anybody that shows up on a given election day. This would require um, half, more than half of the congressional districts to sign on to it. And the idea there is we're trying to make it um, where you're, you're not just putting things in the state constitution that have bare partisan majority votes. It has to be something that has some degree of broad appeal across the political spectrum and across the geographic spectrum as well. So that's what came out. Um, there wasn't anything else attached to that bill. So there weren't some other things. One of the things that people have talked about doing as part of this measure would be to say, well, you know, only U.S. citizens can vote in elections, a number of other important provisions like that, that um, ultimately were stripped out on the Senate side as part of the compromise that ended the filibuster. They had filibustered the bill, the Democrats did, for a couple of days over there. So as part of the compromise, they pulled out some of those other pieces and just have the straight concurrent majority IP reform come out. And that's what we have now over on the House side. So there's going to be a lot of discussions about do we want to include some other pieces in there? Do we want to just uh, vote it out as is and send it to the governor's desk? And I'm sure there will be a lot of discussions about that here in the House over the next few few weeks. You know, it's funny because I 
Democrats, they keep calling this ballot candy. And, and I think everybody, everybody likes to, when the other side does something, everybody wants to denigrate it. When your side does it, well, it's not ballot candy. But I think we all know this has been sort of the way that initiatives have been fought for years is there, there's a big fight over the summary. What's in the summary? What's in, what, what's, what things does the ballot measure do? And whether it's, it's, it's clean Missouri, cleaner Missouri, the, uh, marijuana referendum, there's always a big debate about what specifically in the language, some of the ballot measures this year, as far as the casino ballot measures, uh, putting a casino at the lake, a big thing is like, you know, is there money for education in the ballot measures? That, that conversation seems to take place a lot. People always act like it doesn't matter, but at the end of the day, it usually matters pretty dramatically when it comes to the final vote by the people. Yeah, that's 100% right. It's pretty ironic that the Democrats are kicking and screaming about ballot candy when we can go through a long list of uh, ballot initiatives that they've put on the ballot that have all kinds of ballot candy. Probably the, the most egregious example, at least in recent memory, was when they put Clean Missouri, as they dubbed it, on the ballot. And, of course, the first piece of ballot candy is dubbing it Clean Missouri. And then they had two or three other pieces that had to do with eliminating lobby or reducing lobbyist gifts and things like that. And what they were really trying to do was completely redo the way that House and Senate districts are drawn in the state of Missouri and giving the power uh, from what was at the time and still is now um, a, a, a bipartisan panel that draws the districts and works together to do that to instead a partisan Democrat demographer. Um, and that was what they did in Queen, Missouri, but they put all kinds of other stuff in there to make sure that passed. But what they were really trying to do was gerrymander House and Senate districts in a Democrat fashion. So it's pretty ironic, pretty rich that we're getting uh, hearing all this opposition from Democrats about ballot candy when they're probably the worst defenders of that. Uh, talk me through. Uh, there was a decision that came down for the Supreme Court just in the last couple of weeks. They're not changing legislative districts in the state. Maybe nobody cares about this, but I think it does certainly solidify who files for what offices. This week, there was there's a big conversation that oh maybe we rejigger all the state senate districts right before the the filing. Looks like that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's right. So there was a a case up in the Missouri Supreme Court that was dealing with primarily two, maybe three Senate districts and how they were drawn. There was some question about whether they complied with the uh, constitutional requirements for drawing of Senate districts. And the interesting thing is it was the uh, courts who drew these Senate districts because the bipartisan commission that is tasked with drawing Senate districts last year was unable to reach an agreement. So the courts got to draw it. So there was a challenge saying that the map, that the Senate maps drawn by the courts were unconstitutional. And I was always pretty skeptical that the courts were going to throw out a map that they themselves drew. And that's ultimately what happened is they, they declined to throw the maps out. They did not find that the current Senate maps were unconstitutional. So the current Senate maps that uh, we're in place for the last election. We'll also be in place um, throughout the remainder of this cycle. So that's going to be up through the 2030 election cycle. Uh, now the Senate's done with uh, with the fight, at least for the short term, about uh, what's going on the ballot. What's the Senate going to do this week, or are we are we? 
Is it just a, a new issue and the same filibuster? So I think that they are going to be done with IP for a little while, and they're going to probably wait to see what we send them over in, on the House side. So whether it's our own House bills or whether it's the Senate bill that we take up and make some amendments to, I think I suspect that they are probably done working on IP for a while. So there are a couple things that are currently on the calendar. There's a really big school choice bill that is on the docket to come up. I think um, they're trying to figure out what the path looks like, one, to get it through the Senate, but then two, to make sure that if they are able to pass it through the Senate, that there are the votes in the House to pass it. And this would be a really big expansion of our empowerment scholarship accounts program in the state. So that would be great if we're able to find a path to pass that through. It's going to provide a lot of opportunities to a lot of families in this state to have choice in their education that that currently don't have that. So that's currently on the docket. And then um, they've got a number of smaller things from various senators that are on the docket that could come up this week if they don't want to have a big controversial topic that they want to take a break from that. They can take up a few smaller things. And then there's, of course, the uh, the FRA and the Defund Planned Parenthood uh, legislation that's also hovering out there that is going to get brought up probably in the not-too-distant future, though I'm not sure that that's this week. Very good. Alex, if people want to follow along with what's happening in the legislature, if they want to keep get your newsletter, or if maybe they want to send you questions or concerns, how do they, uh, how do they follow you or contact you? Yeah, so they can, uh, folks can sign up on the Missouri House Representatives website and on my profile page there to get a weekly email update from me. Those go out every Friday with some of the highlights of what happened in the House and Senate that week. Uh, folks are always welcome to call or email at the office and all that contact info is also on the House website. And then they're more than welcome to follow me on social media, Alex Riley MO on Twitter, Alex Riley on Facebook, and I try and keep folks updated in all those various uh, vehicles. Very good. Alex Riley, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll look, look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next week. All right. That was Alex Riley, 134th District, the next majority leader in the State House, giving us an update and a preview to watch. We're going to be back. We're going to talk about what your favorite childhood snack was. Don't forget, 505, we've got William Wolf. We'll talk Christian nationalism. We'll talk the next Donald Trump presidency and what is Project 2025. It's going to be a good one. Stick around for that. Because from then rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, it's more I've gained, cause it led me.